Welcome to this week's episode of Project Esports Podcast for June 4th, 2018. As always, my name is Andrew Nimsgren, one of your co-hosts, and alongside me, the hypest man and the only other co-host I have with me is Dylan Beal. How are you doing today, Dylan? I'm doing pretty good. I'm hyped to talk about some esports. I am too. Like, So, real world stuff, doesn't care too much about it. I didn't know if I was going to make it today because I just started a new internship in a new city and all that kind of stuff, but I'm like... There's not a lot of esports big stories, but there's a lot of little ones. And I'm like, I couldn't leave you guys for a week. So I still showed off and I still want to talk about this. But just kind of a little bit for housekeeping before we jump into the kind of spattering of new stories we have. As always, um, kind of with the new platform for you guys that don't know, we do go live every Monday, Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Central Time, 7.30 Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Canadian Time, whatever time it actually is. I think Atlantic Time um, on Twitch.tv slash Project Esports Podcast if you want to come over, interact with us, hear it live. And we always go live on all the different um, platforms, YouTube, Spotify, not Spotify, all the podcasting platforms, all that kind of stuff. The following morning at 7 a.m., whatever time zone you want, it's sometime around there. And then as always, we go live on Thursday, Friday as well. Last week's interview was me sitting down with Bill the Conqueror, Conqueror Wagner talking about esports, age in esports, all that kind of stuff. It was a really fun interview. So I definitely recommend going back, checking that out, following him on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. He was a lot of fun. But with that, let's kind of jump into our first kind of topic of the night. The Los Angeles Valiant, which I am repping the t-shirt tonight. I wanted to make sure I had it on for tonight. Is they partnered with You Can Play Organization. So um, this is from esportsinsider.com. Not the biggest thing, but they are partnering with uh, the You Can Play group, which is dedicated to ensuring safety and inclusion for all who participate in sports and now esports. So it's really the first entity in all of esports slash immortals to really get involved with this initiative. And I just think it's an awesome thing that they're doing. I mean, we've already seen XQC and multiple other kind of Overwatch streamers, players having a little bit of problem with racial slurs, exclusivity, a little homo slows, slurs and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think it's like world changing news that these guys partnered with it, but I definitely think it's the right step. So they're offering training to all staff, players, and team members of inexclusivity training. So again, it's just that right step and it doesn't put as much kind of stress on the Valiant to do it because they're part of this other organization, which looks good for them. It's kind of that public outreach, but also they're teaching their kids, their players, like this is how you kind of do it. Love everybody, love everybody, all that kind of stuff. So what do you, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's much of kind of like a controversy of if you think it's a good thing, but I mean, do you think like maybe just every team in Overwatch should partner with this organization? Do you think this is just kind of a come and go thing? Do you still think the big leash should kind of organize this kind of process? Or what do you think, Dylan? Yeah, so I mean, obviously this is just a like wholeheartedly good thing. And there's like, a, like I, I don't think there is any backlash for it. And if there is like, that's just really dumb because it's like, it's, it's, it's only good stuff. Um, I think it's really good because they're bringing in people who are very knowledgeable about this and who could definitely educate. And I think education is like the best thing that you can do to help push some of these initiatives forward. Um, and I know LA Valiant specifically has been really, really amazing with this kind of stuff. Um, I know that um, 
I think it was a, a month ago or so, they actually partnered up with like, a, I think LA Pride and they were doing stuff with LA Pride. And so like that kind of outreach into this, um, into the, the community has been like pretty big for LA Valiant. They have a really good team there. Um, I know um, Iris was just telling me all that cause she's, she's a big fan as well. Um, and she knows some people in the organization and they, they are like really pushing this stuff and they're doing a lot of really, really good outreach. Um, but yeah, I think every team should have some sort of initiative like this set up, um, even if it's just an education kind of thing. Uh, the easiest way to do it really is to just partner up with another organization that does that kind of stuff and help bring them in for, you know, I, I mean, they don't have to be like a constant um, part of the team, um, but you can definitely bring them in for like new players. You can bring them in for like new staff, like as part of like the onboarding training for these organizations, this should definitely be one of the steps. Um, now it doesn't have to be like anything super intense because like a little bit goes a, a long way with these guys too. I'm, 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 I'm assuming for the players, like even probably just like a, like a small, like touch base with this organization would do absolutely wonders for like every single Overwatch League player. Yeah. And yeah, just even kind of more information on it. So like as far as partnership, UK, you can play set to deliver diversity and inclusion training to the players, coaches, and staff members who represent the Los Angeles Valiant. Afterward, the team will film an awareness video of the initiative to reach figures in esports. And when the franchise moves to its own arena in 2020, you can play will host Pride Night events. So is that so like I've heard the rumors, but this like an official announcement that teams are moving to like their own arenas wait, in 2020? Wait, yeah, wait, can we pull that back? Was that, like, a soft announcement they just made? Like, like, I literally Googled it. When I read that, I'm like, is this, like, an official... Like, did they officially announce it? Because, obviously, like, they put the team names behind each staff because it kind of goes a city. And I think, long-term, they said that they wanted to get teams playing in their own towns, very similar to other kind of traditional franchising. But I've never heard any articles say, like, in 2020, when they get the new arena, like... Now, okay, so the only thing I'm thinking, though, is that they are L.A., and I know L.A. isn't that far from Irvine. Um, it is a distance, but I know it's not that far, so I don't know if it's more of, you know, another arena in California on top of the Blizzard Arena. So, like, it's cool that, like, Valiant's going to have one, but, like, does... I don't know if that inherently means that, like other cities are going to have them as well no no way that they would allow one team to have its own arena not allow every other team i mean that huge esports arena is building built in what do you know houston there's like a 70 million one dollar proposed there there's one proposed in dallas too i mean we'll we'll see i mean i really hope they do because that's so that'd, be that'd, be, that'd be hype i want a wisconsin team even more now yeah i mean i mean it, it would be hype so i fingers crossed for 2020 yeah, so yeah, so that's definitely something to keep on. I'm going to start reading articles like from Overwatch League a little more carefully now and see if they kind of softly hint at that. But kind of moving on to another Overwatch League kind of thing and talking about a big arena, the Overwatch League Grand Finals just sold out the Barclays Center. So fans, so this is coming from the uh, Activision.com, Activision Blizzard. Um, fans purchased more than 20,000 tickets to the Esports Championship in Brooklyn, New York. The largest esports event to ever be slated at the Barclays Center sold out within two weeks of its public on-sale date. So, first off, anyone that says Overwatch League is dead, fuck off. Like, sure, it's only 20,000 tickets. That is not a ton of tickets. 
Barclay isn't like the biggest arena out there or anything kind of like that. But like, I know for a fact, I mean, obviously there's a lot more basketball games, but for the basketball games, they only host like 17,000 people. So they sold out more than what a basketball game would be. Obviously it's a lot, it's only one event versus a couple nights a week, but it's still very cool. And it shows that yes, there may only be a hundred thousand people on average watching, but 20,000 of those hundred thousand are hardcore enough to fly to New York and watch it. Now I have some reservations about this oh. announcement. So like it's, I think it would be a bad sign if they didn't sell out. Um, that would be a very bad sign, but I don't think it's a good sign because it took them two weeks to sell 20,000 tickets. And to put that in perspective, Worlds, BlizzCon, and the International all sold out within, like, seconds. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that, like, Overwatch League is doing bad because of this, but I'm saying, like, compared to other things like League, Dota, and... I mean, BlizzCon is a little... Like, that. I, I guess you can't compare that because BlizzCon is, like, so much more than just any one game. But still, like like Worlds and TI, this is supposed to be the equivalent for Overwatch League, and it took two weeks as opposed to like two seconds. Okay, I'll give you that. You're not wrong on that, but you gotta think the Blizzard Arena only holds 450 people for the live Overwatch game. So this is how many times bigger than the biggest Overwatch League event that there is. So, like, obviously, it's the first one. Yes, I agree that the bigger events can sell that many in a lot shorter span and sell out for bigger arenas and stuff kind of like that. But it's the first year. It is not happening in, like, where it's hosted. I mean, I think it would have sold out much faster if it was hosted in Los Angeles. That's I'm, what I'm not, yeah, I'm not arguing with you. I think, I think the West Coast would be the area that it would sell quickest, but I'm very glad they had it on the East Coast. I am too. I think they definitely needed that. They get the people over there. I think it gives a lot of those fans the opportunity to really go see it over there. And it is, I think it's also really kind of a good sign that it's starting to kind of say, like, let's see how many people we can get to go to an Overwatch event on the East Coast and kind of start feeling out those feelers for doing the city-based teams. Because obviously you want... They're going to be smaller arenas, so you want those arenas to sell out most nights if it's going to start up these arenas in every single city. Yeah, and so I, uh, actually a little bit of backstory about the Barclays Center. Um, they have events there all the time for esports. Yeah. Um, so ESL specifically, they have a lot of their Counter-Strike tournaments there. Um, I think ESL 1 has consistently been there, um, which is a very good tournament. Um, I actually went there not for... Uh, ESL one counter strike, which was in the normal basketball um, arena, but I went there for um, street fighter. Um, oh. Yeah. It was actually like downstairs in the practice uh, basketball court and oh. the practice basketball court doesn't have like bleachers. It's literally just a half court. Um, and so they just like put everything up and they just like put a bunch of chairs and setups in there. Um, okay. I, I, di I didn't play because it, I mean, I think it was open, but it was like a really small tournament and it was like stacked with players. Um, but me and my friends went out there and we just like watched it and it was weirdly a really good place to have it. Like it was weird cause it was like downstairs in a practice basketball arena, but like it was yeah. still like a, a, a neat small venue to have something open like street fighter. 
Um, but I did get a chance to go upstairs and like check out Counter-Strike in this setup. And the setup is definitely good. It is a very good setup. Um, they, it, it, it's different because um, they don't have it set up like a basketball setup of where everyone's in a circle. They have it set up so like one side is like the stage. Stage and everything else. So kind of yeah, like yeah. when it's like concerts and stuff. Yeah, it's exactly. It, it, exactly. So like a concert where like the stage is everyone's like facing towards it, so to speak, kind of like in a yeah. in like a half circle. Um, but yeah, it is a very cool setup and it looks really good. And they have like really good facilities there. So um, also it's in Brooklyn, um, like in a good like a like a pretty good part of Brooklyn too. So like it's in a really cool spot in New York. Yeah, I wish I was. I thought about going. I looked at the prices. I wanted to go. I think that would have been so awesome. But maybe next year will be in Chicago or something kind of like that. And it'll be a little more achievable. Be a sort of esports has to come in the Midwest eventually, right? Yeah, eventually, yes. I mean, One day. Years from now, but it's it's gonna come eventually, and I and I just hope. But um, I kind of forgot in the order. Oh yeah, I think we're gonna jump in. I'm sorry, very kind of off my game today. But yeah, we're going to jump into your first story, kind of talking about the Overwatch League there. Of course, I have to talk about it at least a little bit each and every podcast. But James is not here today, so don't worry, there's no League of Legends stuff. So we're moving into PUBG with Dylan, our in-house Battle Royale expert, question mark? We had another thing before that, but yeah, we'll talk about PUBG first. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so PUBG reported that their player base in the past, I think it was the past month, has been cut in half. Which I mean, if you think about it, it's not really that surprising because of Fortnite. Um, I'm I'm not surprised, honestly. If they said, "Oh yeah, PUBG," like in the past like six months, um, the the from the peak until now, the the player base has been cut by like three fourths. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think it's pretty much understood that Fortnite is like the ruling um, battle royale game out there right now. Um, there is the, so so the people that play PUBG are like they're they're PUBG players now like like they're probably not gonna be playing Fortnite they're pretty dead set on their game um and everyone playing Fortnite right now is a Fortnite player or you know somewhat more casual player um and I think that's what the advantage of Fortnite is is when it came out it was able to siphon off all the people who wanted just a good um battle royale to play with their friends um and then on top of that they grew to the casual market on top of that um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think this is news. It's not really news because like what has PUBG really done in the past couple months since Fortnite came out? It, it's done nothing. Like it's it, it hasn't grown or changed really. Whoa, whoa, okay. I wouldn't saying okay, so first off, going back to numbers, they still have 1.5 million users. In the last 24 hours, that's not bad. I mean, 3.2 million was at the peak and that was like, the record of all time on Steam. Like, they're not going to keep that number eventually. Even if Fortnite didn't come along, there is no way they could have kept that number of players. Um, I would argue if they put certain things in the place, it could have gotten even higher. And what, what was peak? Do you know what peak for Fortnite was? No, so Fortnite hasn't really done too many I, numbers. This is just looking at Steam. This does not account. So first off, going back, what have they done since Fortnite came out? Well, they released an Xbox version of the game. They've rolled out a new map, and they're about to roll out a second map, and they have an official mobile version as well now. Okay. I wouldn't call it sort of that nothing. Yes, it's 
seems like nothing compared to Fortnite, but they are taking stabs and they're trying to sue Fortnite now. So they are trying, but it's just not working. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do it better. Yeah. No, you can you can do full crossplay on mobile. Yeah. No, I know what you mean, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, and I agree. I mean, I mean, and the problem with Fortnite, I know, uh, PUBG, is that they're going for that realistic kind of vibe. So all they can do is maybe add new vehicles, but that doesn't really change the flow of the game much. They can do new maps or they can do, do new weapons. But no matter what, it's still the base PUBG play style. And it doesn't change except the size of the map, the weapon you use, what weapons are good, and the vehicles and how often you can find them. Well, yeah, with Fortnite, you add the shopping cart. You've added the jetpack. I mean, these change how the game is played entirely. I mean, the jetpack is a meta. The shopping cart is creating not as big of a new meta, but it is just getting people sharing Fortnite content again and seeing and making the jackass parodies and kind of stuff like that. Like, it's just everything Fortnite does is to get it, to get people to share. Everything PUBG does is to make its hardcore fans happy, but it doesn't really bring like new people in. Like there's nothing that someone see like, oh, like there's a new map coming out. Like, cool, it's just more PUBG. But like someone that's not quite in Fortnite would be like, wow, you can like ride around in a shopping cart and shoot from and stuff like that. Like that seems so fun. Like I want to go try that. Like PUBG doesn't have anything that big that's like, I need to go try that right now. Yeah, and I, I think it's the case that like the people who played Arma, the people who played DayZ, the people who played H1Z1, these are like a lot of the same players and they just like made that shift over time to all these different games and then eventually ended up in PUBG. And that's not a bad thing, but I'm saying is there's there's a type usually that plays PUBG. It's like people who like these types of games and like, yeah, they did add on a giant amount of players to PUBG, but like PUBG has its, it has its core and I don't really see the core growing from here, especially if Fortnite's out. Yeah. I'm calling it right now, Fallout 76, AKA, the Rust clone of Fallout is going to kill PUBG. Uh, kill PUBG. 
If it if it is what the rumors are of it being a Daisy Rust inspired game that might be coming out in July based on the rumors, PUBG goes downhill. If it comes out in July, that's Bethesda. I can see Bethesda doing that, doing that drop right after E3. Like, here's Fallout 76. You get it 30 days from now. Yeah, I mean that would be really cool, but like I we we will see. And which we will be at, like, we'll be presenting the Bethesda panel um, on our channel. Um, we're gonna we're gonna co-stream that, but we'll we'll talk about it there when they start talking about it for sure. Yeah, too much. But I'm saying if it is kind of that same game mode, that's that is trouble for PUBG, and that's not going to help that play base. If it is anything kind of like that realism, I mean, obviously Fallout can only be so realism, but if it is that kind of more hardcore gather build kind of things that a lot of PUBG fans really appreciate. Even though it's not the same game mode, that will hurt. Because whenever, like, Daisy, I mean, everyone just kind of moves to the next game. And if Fortnite has some of those same, I mean, if uh, Fallout has some of those same kind of mechanics, that would not be good for PUBG. But we'll talk about that at Bethesda and what that kind of means. We'll talk a little bit more about how the conferences are going to work towards the end of the uh, podcast. But I'll let you keep going with your new stories and stop talking over you on that. Yeah, so uh, something I want to talk about that, like, I, I mean, I guess I'm always, like, kind of an advocate for, like, getting esports to kids earlier, because, like, yep. I'm a I, I'm a big proponent of, like, like competitiveness in kids and, like, learning to grow skills, um, and I think esports is a really good outlet for it, um, and I'm also kind of just, like, pushing for time a little bit because I was looking up the exact numbers. Um, so there, <laughs> so the San Francisco 49ers um, invested into this company uh, called Playverses. They invested $15 million into it. Um, and so what this company basically is, it's it, to me, it looks like it's a startup. Um, I did hear about this company beforehand because um, I, I, I think I, I have an acquaintance um, who's in it and he, I have him on Twitter, so he always retweets stuff about it. Um, but essentially what they're doing is they're promoting um, high school esports and they're trying to um, come into high schools and help promote esports there and set up infrastructure for high school esports um, and kind of create like a network between schools so they can kind of compete and all that. And San Francisco 49ers um, put $15 million into it. Um, you know, it's a startup. So obviously they're looking for those angel investors. They're trying to get all their investors. They're, they're, they're in that point of their company where they're just trying to raise money. And the reason why this is a news story is because this is a lot of money. Like $15 million is a huge amount for any kind of company, like any kind of startup to get. Basically, if you're a startup, this is the kind of money that you're hoping to get because then at that point, it's like you're set almost. Like you're, you're set to basically carry out whatever your mission is. Um, yeah. Well, $15 million isn't all that they raised. So the valuation of Play VS was $50 million, but sources say that uh, multi- game esports leagues oh wait no um no i'm sorry so it is so that 15 million dollars is a majority of what they did in series a i'm sorry i was reading something and kind of jumped the gun but still value a company value at 15 50 million and there is another high school esports league that i'll mention after you kind of go through your spiel i'm sorry for cutting you off on that i thought i saw something different yeah and i this is this is crazy amounts of money especially when you can kind of start setting this kind of stuff up without that amount of money like i would argue you can do this for like way lower um like if you want to just take into consideration paying people for this you could definitely start a company like this for like a giant fraction of that and kind of keep it afloat um but yeah like i i really think this is important because 
this is something I really wish I had in high school. Um, and I really, you know, feel like I would have benefited a lot from because there's a lot of students who um, have different interests. There's a lot of students who just really like video games and stuff. And um, you're starting to see more um, after school activities, like kids starting their own clubs around esports and video games, and they just want to play these games. And this is a really good way to get those students kind of organized, um, you know, help help them self-organize and get teams together and actually start pushing forward to like be competitive with this because like a lot of students get those kind of outlets and those kind of leadership skills through like soccer and baseball and football and all that. And those are really good for kids. And I think there's, there, there's a huge amount of students who don't have that and they have different interests like video games that could you know, start doing these kind of like varsity esports for their for their school, and I I, I think this is going to be hugely hugely beneficial to students. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Again, this is another one. Today has just been a bunch of news stories that like it's kind of there. There's not much to really kind of fight back and forth on. There is nothing negative that can really come out of this. It gets it more in the high schools. I mean, once there's established leagues and kind of stuff like that, schools are easier to support it. There's no more kind of backing versus like a school may be kind of scared to get behind it, behind a student just kind of trying to organize something to compete against maybe a couple other schools. But if a school can organize a team to compete in an official league that goes across the country, that's different and that makes it structured. And that brings in kind of a safety net for these schools that don't really know what it is. And this isn't the only organization. This isn't something, this happened sometime last week but NRG um, Esports partnered with the High School Esports League, which is a small organization. It doesn't have a ton of kind of backing. You only have 1,300 followers on Twitter and stuff like that. But I've been following for a while just because I thought it was cool. But, yeah, they partnered with that, the, that Esports League for a grand prize for their Fortnite tournament and stuff kind of like that. So there are multiple organizations that are trying to make this happen. And you can see that these bigger organizations are kind of seeing the value in this. Like NRG kind of partnering with this kind of unknown entity is a big deal. I mean, that's really cool to see such a big team like saying, we want to come and kind of help you organize this huge tournament, make it a reality. They kind of helped them revamp the website and stuff like this. So just kind of as a whole, I love to see you coming to high school esports. I would love to go back to high school so I could have participated in all this. And that the high school league starting up just makes the college leagues even better, which just kind of has the domino effect, making everything bigger. Because the more players you have at an early age that you know what it is to mean to be a real player, the better they're going to be as they get older. There's not going to be – obviously, it's going to be a big funnel, but there's going to be so many that have been playing from such a young age in a real competitive level that you can see everything go up. You're going to see kind of the playing fields even out, and it's going to be – I think it's going to be nothing but good for esports. Yeah, I really agree, and I think it's going to also promote, like, college esports in the way that, like, you're going to have these kids who are really, really good – and they're going to be like winning these tournaments and they're going to be sitting there like after they win and they're going to be like, all right, where's the scholarships guys? Yeah. And all these, all these colleges are going to be like, here is our recruitment. Like here, here's where we can recruit. Cause like, that's one of the big issues right now um, that like I heard from a lot of different colleges that like, yeah, they have these scholarships, but it's kind of hard to find talent. To be honest, if you're a high schooler and you want to like get a scholarship, yeah, you have your standout players, but like, it's hard to pull in a like good solid group of players into your school especially if you're not like a like a really well-known school like if you're kind of like a more kind of like localish school 
it's really hard to pull in players to your school who like you know they might be good but like they might not know anything about your school that it's a place they don't really want to go to they won't want to commit to it yeah. so i i don't know i i think if you have that like really big pool of players who are really good then these colleges can kind of sit back and go oh well there's there's our team for next year where we can just recruit right from there uh it'll be really easy to contact the students which is awesome yeah and i just love to see that and i I've got a couple of messages from like high schoolers, like even at, I'm, and again, I'm really happy when people kind of take me up and I've been writing PR and stuff like that. And like, really just go out and ask someone, if you want to make something happen, even if it's not me or Dylan and you don't want that, just go ask someone how to make it happen. Because there are so many people out there that want to get it going at the college level, at the high school level. And that someone needs to take that first step. I mean, we have these big teams that are getting these big funding and the organizations. But even someone like you, any random viewer can go talk to the staff and start an eSport league at your team at your local high school. So do not be afraid to reach out to someone, anyone. I have never run into a person in the eSports industry that does not want to talk and help you make something a reality. So keep asking anyone you know and make this a reality because it's not a crazy idea anymore. Having an eSports league at a high school team is not very crazy anymore. So make it happen is all I kind of want to say to kind of close that up because I love yeah. seeing people actually trying to make it happen. Yeah, that's that's a good way to close it up. And I mean, we're really kind of passionate about this kind of stuff. And I think we can move on to something that we're also passionate about, and that's hating Mixer and hating anything that's not Twitch. Okay. Mixers is Mixer's making some moves. Yeah, okay. So uh, l- let me lay the groundwork, right? Yeah. And so Mixer, who's owned by Microsoft, um, just recently partnered up with ESL um, to have a couple tournaments on their platform, which is a good move by both parties because one, Mixer needs content that's actually, you know, that you want to watch. And two, it's good by ESL because they're finally going away from Facebook Live and onto a platform that's like actually kind of watchable. Um, and, 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 and I know I like kind of like shit on Mixer a lot, but like um, I, I was on their site and they actually kind of are putting in some interesting features to their website. I don't know if you, you saw some of the things yet. Yeah, I was kind of looking through it and like, like I said, they're making moves. I mean, I love that ESL deal because obviously that was going to die on Facebook. They had to get off that as soon as possible. And yeah, they're, I mean, just kind of looking through this, like they're, just kind of revamping the entire platform. And they're making it so much easier for people to stream, giving them more option, making it easy to navigate. And I'm kind of looking at the Mixer website. I'm like, this doesn't look bad. They've nagged a couple of medium kind of streamers on Twitch too. They get them to come over there to be that exclusive over there. So I'm like, Mixer is making that big move right now. And I don't know if they know something we don't, like on the back end of Twitch, and they think like now's a good time that just kind of the Twitch vibe isn't doing very well. I don't know what's going on, but they feel that right now's a time to make a move and it seems to be working at least slightly. Yeah, so honestly, I really wish I was working for a mixer right now um, because there's a lot of really interesting things going on into the streaming space. Um, I end up knowing a lot about this because uh, I spend most of my time just looking at streams because like during the day I'm really bored. Um, So essentially how the field looks right now is that Twitch kind of has a monopoly, right? Um, And Twitch is in this position of where they're like, we're going to be able to kind of like um, strong arm people because we're the big entity. So they're going to play by our rules if they want to be on our platform because we're the platform. 
Um, and I think they have gone a little bit too far in certain areas. And that has caused a lot of people to either forcibly get removed from the website or just leave on their own. And like you're starting to see like uh, surgences of, of groups of like streamers in different locations. And so the big move right now is that there's a lot of IRL streamers moving over to face or to YouTube Live, because YouTube Live is like very lax on a lot of their their rules, but they still have enough in place of where like monetarily you can make a living if you have the audience. And so a lot of these IRL streamers are moving over to YouTube because of their their disagreements with Twitch, right? And this is the perfect moment for Mixer because Mixer is in the equation. They don't really know what they are. They don't really have anyone good on their platform. What they need is they need some big names to get people on there watching. You don't need a million um, content creators that are really good. You just need a handful to keep people on the website and to keep them clicking through more streamers because like medium-sized streamers and small streamers, you'll have people click over to them, um, but you need those, those whale streamers, so to speak. Uh, to get mass amounts of people on there. And that's what they really need to do. Um, if they want to be the website that does really big tournaments that you go and watch, then I think they need to strike kind of, you know, companies like ESL, companies who like are a little bit flexible on, on Twitch, you know? Like maybe they don't exclusively want to be on Twitch. Maybe they want to try out a different platform. Maybe they're not happy because Twitch is taking too much money out of the cut or something like that. Uh, maybe they're not happy because they're not getting front page. Um, and Mixer really needs to be headhunting these companies super, super hard. Um, they need to be looking at more companies like ESL and go, listen, let's strike a deal right now. You know, let's, let's just say three tournaments, go onto our platform, see how it is, and then we'll renegotiate there. Because, because, you know, this is the time to do it. This is the time to start making those moves because I would argue that Twitch is probably at its, like, uh, one of its lowest points right now in terms of, like, the the community trust i would say um now my personal point of view i think twitch is doing pretty fine overall i think they made like a couple like bad moves but just like from an overall um viewer standpoint i feel like people are very willing to jump over to another thing if it's better um i forget what the company was um i know me and james had a, a conversation about this but this has happened before in the past Companies have come up whenever Twitch is kind of at a low point and not doing good in one aspect, and they pick people up. Their issue, though, is they just, they, these companies just don't do it right. They can't stay afloat. They end up dropping. Um, I know um, we talked about this before. I, I said that, but way back in the day, whenever the EU servers for Twitch were really bad, um, there was a company that came up, and I cannot remember for the life of me their name. Um, yeah, I just can't remember the, uh, their name, but they came up and they picked up a ton of league streamers. Um, they made them break their partnerships with Twitch, um, and they came onto that platform and they had like big, big streamer names on there too, like big, big, uh, League of Legends streamers. And they were doing super well, except they didn't pay anyone the money they said they did. And so they ended up going under. Um, and so like if Mixer comes in and does the same sort of thing, they pick up those big, big people and they can get the viewers there is, it's, it's backed by Microsoft. So I don't see it like, okay, I shouldn't say that because Zune exists, existed. Um, but oh God, I forget. Oh no, I'm not, I'm, I don't have good faith in it now because I just remembered if Microsoft's a part of it and they, they mess up everything. They, they can make, they can make a, they can make an operating system. And then that's it. Everything else they always mess up. So uh, I don't know if I have faith in this, but 
Yeah, if if they can keep if they can keep the project afloat and they can keep adding in good features that the community wants, I think they have a space. I do too, and yeah, and it would really need Twitch to do something huge for them to become the next Twitch. But I definitely think they can get to a point where they can coexist, have their own share of the market, do well, have people going there and stuff like that. At this point, that's all I see to really ever being, and I think that's okay. And I, and I don't, I think they'd love to be the number one. I think they'd love to be Twitch, but I don't see that very likely. And I think they should just be happy with that and being a part of the market where right now they're just some other sites, some people have heard about, but if they go to be like one of the big three, like that's awesome. And that's good. And that's going to be better. That's going to force competition between the three of them. And it'll make everyone kind of be better, which is kind of almost better rather than Twitch going under and Mixer being the number one. And then there's nothing else competing. We want that competition in anything. And I kind of hope that that's kind of where it ends up being. And realistically, that might be all they can kind of pull off. But I'm glad to see they're trying something. They're making moves. They're, they're being talked about, which I guess is more than you can say about on the average week for Mixer. Yeah. And I mean, that's what they need. They need to be in that limelight. And it sucks for them because they're backed by microsoft and they're not in the limelight so it's weird that they're not you think they would have the things in place to like promote themselves up um i actually saw like they had a mixer booth at pax east um, mm. a couple months ago and they had some of their you know, partnered people um i don't i didn't know any of them <laughs> i don't think <laughs> i don't think they're big names but they were there um and they did the thing that twitch does where they have like a little booth and you can see them streaming and playing in there um, yeah, I, I'm, you know what they need to do? Um, I don't know if there's something that, I don't think it exists, um, or it might be something that I heard someone else say. I don't know, but like it came into my mind for some reason. They just need to integrate streaming on Xbox with it. I think it is. Can they, can you do that? Can you load up Xbox? And cause I know for PlayStation, you can stream to Twitch, um, directly xbox if you you should be able to stream right to the mixer if that's not a thing it should be right oh yeah you can how to stream from mixer on the xbox this is the one okay. thing you have to have a microsoft account and your mixer account uh link if you signed up yeah oh yeah well okay good well they need to they need to do something with that yeah i mean i don't i don't know any big streamers that stream from their console on twitch no, so I don't know how big of a market that could possibly be, but they need to but, do something. Microsoft needs to flex that Bill Gates money and like buy some streamers. Like there, there are big streamers out there who can be bought. I know there are like, there's, there's oh, gotta yeah. be, there are people out there who like are kind of done with the hustle and they, they want to sell out. They want to sell out hard, hardcore. I could see that. I could see Dr. Disrespect doing it because he's start. he's been starting to say like how, I'm kind of getting sick of streaming. Like this isn't for me anymore. And like, I, the grind is just kind of getting too much for me. Like that's where Microsoft just goes and throws tons of money at them and say, you don't have to stream every single day. We'll pay you this much and you stream three days a week. So yeah. you still have that base salary. You're over here. That's a huge name. Like I think something kind of like that, someone that doesn't necessarily want that seven day grind, obviously his numbers wouldn't be the same. But he's a big enough personality that people will come with him. Oh, yeah. Streaming three days a week would still be getting people on the platform for three days a week. And he'd have some backing from Microsoft saying that, like, you're going to be our face of Mixer for the next year and a half. After that, you can drop the platform. But a year and a half of Dr. Disrespect being the face could make a difference. Oh, no. Yeah, for sure. And also just want to say, 
I don't want to make decisions for all of us, but if Microsoft wants to buy us out to have us on Mixer exclusively, I, w- I would do that. I don't feel like it costs too much to buy us all out on of Twitch right now, but we are also open to that, yes. You give us a tour of like the Microsoft campus, I think that'd be enough. <laughs> buy us lunch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but spe- speaking of, of, I just want to, sorry, I want to go back real quick, uh, just because it's sort of kind of tangentially related. Did you see that he actually did get a sponsorship with Gillette? Dr. Disrespect? Yeah, I saw no. it. I saw it earlier today. Um, but yeah, I think he's like actually sponsored by Gillette now, which is like, like, a, a, like a meme come true, I guess. Yeah. I guess I haven't seen anything about it. I, I believe you. But yeah, I, I know that's kind of always been a meme that he's like been talking about. So that would actually be really funny if he did get that. So that'd be awesome. That just goes to show that like big, yeah, big companies are willing to sponsor with them. So, so pretty much Mixer needs to grab someone of that tier. I don't think they'd ever get Ninja or anyone like that, but Shroud or, I mean, the problem with that, it would have to be someone like Dr. Dr. Disrespect that doesn't have like really teammates on the platform. Cause like none of the TSM guys, not just one TSM guy can go over to Mixer. Like I'm sure that'd be like an agreed thing by the whole TSM team. So you'd have to get someone that's not really a part of a team, which there's not, a, I don't feel like there's tons of huge streamers that aren't somewhat affiliated with the team by now. Most teams would just kind of slap their name on it, which makes it harder. So they'd have to buy a whole team or they'd have to get a someone that isn't quite sponsored, which kind of limits and makes it a little harder but that's the kind of move they need to make if they want to be really really relevant but kind of speaking of companies and people trying to stay relevant in esports kind of as a whole we're going to keep it up with esl and they have partnered with at&t so again it's just kind of really cool sponsorship um they'll be down at e3 doing a couple small tournaments and stuff and they're really kind of focusing on the mobile games of ESL. Obviously, AT&T, a mobile company, wants people to be playing mobile games and being on that and using their platforms. Um, AT&T will have a 5G demo at the ESL Arena, which also hosts live competitions, on which you can watch live on Twitch. You'll have the present of upcoming events, including the Arena Battle Pro League, the ESL One New York, um, the IEM North America, and stuff kind of like that. So it doesn't sound like they're doing like they're changing all of ESL, this kind of sponsorship. They're just like, we're going to be backing you for mobile esports. We're trying to make that thing. We're trying to be, as far as I know, they're really the first mobile, like kind of the mobile tel provider that is kind of partnered in esports. I haven't heard of Verizon or Sprint or T-Mobile uh, really it, doing it, too much. As far as NA goes, yes. Like yeah, there, there's NA, like Korea, Korea mobile, but like, like yeah. it's, as far as America, yeah. So I think that'd be a, good way to kind of go if they like are kind of the first one to see and they get their name behind all the mobile kind of events like it can't hurt i don't know if it would really be a big spike for them but it's still a cool step that they're kind of stepping in here and that esl's kind of making moves too they're figured out fuck facebook so somebody wanted to share that we all like this on twitter without saying or anything like this but there's a tweet that me james and dylan all liked on twitter it says, dear content creators, I love your content. I really do. But please don't go to Facebook. I don't mind Mixer and I bludgeonly watch on YouTube, but I will not follow you to Facebook. All the great content in the world isn't worth reading my family bitch about politics. 
And that is so true. Like I deleted Facebook from my phone. I do not go on Facebook on my phone anymore. I couldn't take it. And I feel like people aren't going to Facebook and staying on Facebook anymore. So ESL kind of figuring that out, like, okay, maybe not Twitch, but Mixer and making moves, bringing in these sponsorships. Like, we like to hate on ESL, but at least they're trying again. When they moved to Facebook, it looked like they had just given up. But I don't know. I'm happy to see them kind of making an attempt at coming back with something. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, they're, they're, they're a good company, so I'm glad they're making, you know, like you were saying, they're making moves to, like, put themselves out there in a better spot. Um, I don't think it was bad strategy by them. I think maybe they just needed a lot of money or something. And so that's why they did, they end up going to Facebook. Yeah. Um, but now that they secure that money, they're like, okay, well, well let's, let's do real stuff now. Yeah, let's, let's get out of here. But, um... And actually, I think there was, um, it's not the same type of sponsorship, but T-Mobile is actually sponsoring, um, uh, was it Outlaws? Yeah, Outlaws. Oh really? Yeah, because it's like it's like a big meme that I think out. Wait, is it? I think it's Outlaws. It's it's one of the. It's either Outlaws or uh, Dallas. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Outlaws, but that's a big meme as they always like talk about like T-Mobile. Yeah, Houston Outlaws announced partnership with T-Mobile. That is kind of funny. Yeah, that was early early in May, so we kind of missed that. But I don't know. An individual sponsorship isn't like that. Like an individual team is cool, but it's not like game turn changing. Well, this is definitely this this is definitely huge. But yeah, that does kind of correct us on being like one of the first teams, first companies to really kind of get in the esports industry. So that kind of changes on that. But yeah, I think, I mean, is there any other kind of topics you want to go back on? Any other kind of news you've kind of seen coming up? Like that was just kind of a bunch of small news stories. There wasn't really any big topics for the week. Anything you want to miss? Anything you want to hit on? I mean, besides that Pokemon announcement, Besides that fallout announcement, you know I was losing my shit oh, back yeah. to back night on those. It, it was it was really hyped to see all that stuff. Like it's a really good time to tease games for E3 because like, I mean Nintendo kind of went all out on it, but like um, I think Bethesda's tease of their new Fallout game was really really good because like we're hungry now. We're hungry to see what it's gonna look like, oh, and we're, we're we want to see what it's gonna be about. And I mean, that that's just... that's why they have that really long uh, conference because, like, one of the things, obviously, is they're going to show off the game because, like, they gave us the teaser, so it's not like they could just use that time to just tease it because, like, before before this announcement, I could have totally have seen them just put that trailer there at the very end of their pan- at the end of their uh, their press conference and then leave it at that. But like now that we already seen it, like they have to they have to do a whole thing about it now. They have more. They have one more big topic. I am calling it. It is the Bethesda year of hype. And I believe this is at least one prediction by yours truly that did come true. I consider a Fallout 76, even if it's a Rust clone, to be a big enough announcement for it not to be a disappointment yeah. E3 conference. Yeah, I, I, you're right. You're right. I mean, I hope, I hope they release. They talk about the new IP as well. I hope they do, because that would just solidify the year of hype. Oh my god. Well, they, I. So now that the Fallout came out, so this is the team that was work. This is the Bethesda Game Studio. So it's not going to be a new IP. It's going. To, it may be a new IP, but it's not going to be a huge IP. It's not going to be like the Stargate or whatever like that proposed one is it's going to be 
maybe a smaller IP, maybe a second game from one of the series, a Prey 2, something kind of like that. It'll be a smaller announcement, but they have one more new game announcement. They, there's no way they'd blow their entire load before that because, like, even when they announced Fallout 4 before the conference, they still had Doom that year. So that's kind of yeah. the same thing they're going with right now. So that's our E3 talk. And I guess that now is kind of a good time to kind of talk about what we're kind of doing for E3 since that starts Saturday. Oh, yeah, that's really soon. I, I that forgot. is right around the corner, and you know this is going to be lit. So let's kind of uh, where did we where did I put all those? So we are planning on doing for the conferences. We plan on just kind of based on time and stuff like that. Maybe something else might come up with a four we're doing for sure at this point, unless schedules change. Is that we're doing EA on Saturday, this Saturday, June 9th. That starts at um, we'll do everything Pacific time since that's when E3 starts, 11 a.m. Pacific. We'll be doing Sundays. Microsoft conference at 1 p.m. Pacific, uh, Bethesda's 6.30 p.m. Pacific conference on Sunday, and then Sony's 6 p.m. Pacific time conference on Monday. Um, we may do kind of late reactions to some of the other ones. Like maybe we can hop on later in the day and kind of do our reactions about Ubisoft and Nintendo because those are the two big ones we're missing just because they're both during the workday. So it's hard for us to really be live streaming over that. But those will be the four that we're doing. Um, we will be going live about 15 minutes before each conference starts. We will be doing kind of a pre-show, talking about what we see, what we've already seen, and just kind of hyping up for the conference and ready to go when it starts. And then afterwards, we'll be going for around half an hour, giving our reactions and all that kind of stuff. So the entire live stream will be going live, obviously, on Twitch, on the Project Esports uh, podcast Twitch, um, and the post of YouTube. And then just our pre-show and our post-show will be um, posted and edited together and going on all the podcasting platforms. And I'll post that on YouTube and stuff too. So if you don't want to watch a full watch long and just see the shorter ones, that'll be going live there. And then we may do some other reactions for just other things. And there's a PC conference, which is kind of probably something esports related, maybe there. So there will be more E3 content from us, but we will be for sure doing those four streams live. It'll be me and Dylan for those four. James still figuring out his schedule, but I'm excited as hell. It is going to be a great weekend. I think EA was probably going to be the least hype one, but Bethesda and Sony, I'm so excited for. They're going to be good ones. They're going to be real good. But um, yeah, so we'll kind of do kind of more announcements kind of as the week goes on. We'll remind you guys of when the conferences are going live. We'll be posting about it on Twitter. We'll be sharing our reactions. So just kind of follow along on Twitch so that whenever we do go live, you get that notification. Subscribe on YouTube, follow on podcasting. Like content's just going to be thrown at you this weekend. Um, I don't know about you. Um, we may kind of do all of this content in exchange for this Thursday's content. Um, we may have something going up on Thursday. We haven't talked too much about it yet. Still kind of figured it out. James may have some League of Legends content going up on Thursday, but if not, all of this content is going to kind of be replacing for Thursday's content because it's a lot of it. It's going to be a lot of live streaming. We hope you guys kind of tune in along with us. We'll pretty much just be going live. So if you're on there during any of the conferences, we'll be here hyping it up. But um, I guess yeah, anything else that you kind of want to touch on for housekeeping stuff, for topics, 
Are you ready to wrap it up and just kind of get hyped for that E3? I, I'm definitely ready to wrap it up, get hyped for it. Um, we, we will probably see you guys in some capacity on Thursday. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think the lowest form of it might be me um, and James doing something, all three of us streaming, or James just doing a content, or maybe even the very least, I'm going to be probably messing around uh, with stream settings. So, like, I might pop on and just, like, mess around with stream settings and just say what's up to everyone. So, we'll, we'll, we'll probably end up seeing you guys on Thursday. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll announce it on Twitter. We'll make sure you guys know what's going on, who's streaming, all that kind of stuff. But kind of with that, thank you very much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Project Esports Podcast. I got to do James Spiel. So, again, kind of what I was saying before, it means the world to us if you leave a comment on YouTube, subscribe to us on any podcasting platform push that hard button on Twitch and follow us. It means the world to us. We are, I'll leave that for you to kind of talk about our goal and all that kind of stuff, but it means the world to us. We do this for you guys. We love hearing your reactions to what we're saying and all that kind of stuff. So anything means the world to us. And it just makes us want to do more for you guys. When you kind of show that support, we want to throw more content at you because we love making it and we love seeing you guys kind of react to it. So with that, please follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Project Esports Podcast. I don't care if you're a podcast listener, you're driving, pull over, open up the internet browser, follow us on Twitch. It means the world to us. YouTube, whatever it means. I know a lot of you guys are probably podcast listeners. It's the majority of us. But just going over to YouTube for two seconds and hitting that button means the world to us as well. And maybe trying to hit a couple, I don't know, 50, uh, 50 for both platforms would kind of be a cool goal to hit kind of towards the end of these next couple of weeks. So that means the world to us. Yeah, and with that, we're really pushing for affiliate. Um, that's why we're kind of trying to hit that 50 followers. Um, so during that time, if you go ahead and go on Twitter, uh, retweet us, quote tweet us, um, and help kind of get our name out there, we're going to be shouting you guys out at the end of every single podcast leading up to us getting affiliate. So we're really pushing for that. Um, and so, yeah, so so far we have at Castinia Ilya, at the Banhammer, at Better Underscore Esports, at Xenos King, and at newly at learning bill um he went ahead and, and tweeted us out so yeah, um, he yeah. Had a lot of fun of interview. so again go check out learning bill check out that interview from last week's project esports presents that was so much fun talking to him and hearing his perspectives and i mean i'm not gonna be a lie he's a little older guy he's probably one of the oldest guys i've really heard passionately passionately talk about esports and he has some really good perspectives that you just don't hear from a lot of people in the industry so i definitely go checking out that interview it's definitely one of my favorite interviews i've only done two but it's definitely in my top two of my favorite interviews I've ever done for Project Esports Podcast. But I will leave it with that. We will see you guys on Thursday. My name is Andrew. And I'm Dylan. And thank you for listening to the Project Esports Podcast. See you guys later.